0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. We'll read verses 27 through 32 together. Let's read God's good word together. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Home is that place where whenever we go there, they have to let us in. That's what one of my seminary professors, Doug Meeks, used to say, and I love that. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it reminds me that we all need a place where there are no conditions for our acceptance, where we're let in, where we're accepted as we are, where we know that we belong. We all need that place. We all yearn for that, and yet many of us struggle to actually experience it. That's what we're going to talk about today. My name is Brandon Blackston. I'm the executive pastor here, and this is week two of Grown-Up Bible School. We're exploring the stories of Scripture that our students will be learning in just a few weeks as we come to VBS time. We do that, one, so that we will know what our students are learning, what our children are learning, and so that we can help them to understand it better, and so that together we'll be on a shared spiritual journey. But we're also doing that because it helps us as adults to grow deeper in our faith, to actually learn the things that are going on in Scripture at a deeper, level than we can whenever we're children. Because if our understanding of the Bible never progresses past childhood, our faith will be childish. Jesus invites us to have childlike faith, not childish faith. And God desires for us to grow into fullness and maturity of faith. And so that's our goal here, to help us to, ex- to experience these stories, but to go a little bit deeper with them, to understand them better. And so last week we started off with the question, who is Jesus? And we explored how Jesus himself answered that in John 10:14. Where he said this, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. One of the things that we learned is that whenever we're studying scripture, we can't just read a verse in isolation, but actually need to know the context. And so we learned with that story that the context actually starts an entire chapter earlier um, at John 9.1. And so we, we read that story, we heard what happened to a man who was born blind and who, whom Jesus healed, and what Jesus revealed to them was that he knows us fully and accepts us unconditionally. There are no conditions to our acceptance. He accepts all of us, each and every one of us, and we are fully known. And so we can have confidence in that, because God knows us exactly as we are, and we can live out of that and be authentically who God made us to be without having to put up a front, without having to pretend to be someone that we're not. And so that was week one. Today we're going to continue on that theme, and this week we're going to be looking at the calling of the disciples. That'll be week, or I'm sorry, that'll be night two of Bible school, and so that's what we're talking about. How were those first disciples called, and who were the people that Jesus called? Uh, Many of us know their names. If you grew up in the church or are familiar with those stories, but there's some really interesting details associated with that that tell us a lot about who Jesus is and what kind of community he created and invites us into today. And one of the things that we see is that Jesus is the one who decides who is worthy of love and belonging. And he has decided that everyone is, including you, including me, including everyone. There are no exceptions. And so that's the spoiler for the whole sermon. That's where we're going to end up. But we know that Jesus decides all of us are worthy of love and belonging. And so how do we live that out? That's what we're going to look at next. Because we wonder, who needs belonging? Well, all of us do. And we long to belong, yet we resist depending on others. It's kind of this tension that we feel inside of ourselves. We want to have a place where we know that we belong, where we're accepted, It we don't want other people to, to be able to have, have a say in how we do things. Um, to, we don't want to depend on them. We want to be able to be independent and to make our own decisions and not have to run those by anyone else. And so it's this tension we feel. But, but we all know at some level that we are created for relationship. We are created to To be in community with others. And we see that very early at the beginning of the Bible in the creation story of Genesis chapter 2. We see that God created a human to till and keep the garden. This is what we read in the book of Genesis. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And so God created a person, gave him the garden to care for. That was his job. That was his work. the, The thing that gave him purpose, that gave him dignity. And yet one of the things that God saw very quickly was that it was not good for people to be alone. That this man, this Adam that God had created was alone and it was not a good thing. And so what did God say? Well, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper. As his partner. And if you know that story, you know that that was the creation of Eve. And very early from the very beginning, God realized that we need people around us. That's the story of a married couple, but this doesn't apply only to marital relationships. We all need relationships. We need family. We need friends. We need a community that we can belong to. We have an innate need for love and belonging. And yet we face obstacles. Some of those are internal, some of those are external, some of those are cultural. Um, Scholar Christine Pohl puts it this way. She says, our cultural emphasis on personal freedom and self-fulfillment has left many people lonely and emotionally fragile. We long for those things, and yet whenever we give into those, whenever we give into um, personal freedom and self-fulfillment, or really whenever we prioritize those to a greater level than they need to be prioritized, we find ourselves in those difficult situations of feeling lonely and feeling emotionally fragile. And, and so it, this belonging that we yearn for is something that we deeply desire, that we were made for, and that we need, and yet we have trouble accepting it and putting ourselves into situations where we can experience it. And part of that is because we feel often like we're not worthy. And so who is worthy? Well, let's see what Jesus says. He began his ministry alone and yet quickly created a community around himself. Um, He started off after his baptism with John, um, by John the Baptist, by going into the desert. He fasted for 40 days, and then at the end he was tempted by the devil. And and so he was by himself in that temptation. He withstood it by himself. But after that, he came out and began going around Galilee and doing ministry. And as he did that, he began to call people to himself. And so he saw a man named Simon who was on the seashore and asked to go out on his boat with him. This is how it happened. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And so um, this is how uh, Jesus and Simon get into a boat together and um, is the beginning of the story of how Simon, who would later become Peter, Became one of the disciples. Now, one of the things this is uh, adult Bible school, and each each week, I want to help you um, to learn something that will help you as you're reading the Bible for yourself. Um, one of the things that, that that is helpful is whenever we ask questions, there is a lot in the Bible that's easy for us to take for granted, to just kind of gloss over, and to think, you know, okay, whatever, that's weird, but I guess I'll just go with it. But it's good for us to actually notice those things and ask questions. And so, for me, whenever I'm reading this story, one of the things that that occurs to me is why would Simon 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 take orders from Jesus? Why would, you know, if somebody just walked up to me and was like, hey, take your, set your boat out a bit from shore and and let's go out there so I can teach some people. I'd be like, no way. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. Well, part of that is because Jesus and Simon already had a history. And so um, just a, a A little bit before this, we read this in uh, in Luke chapter 4. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them." And so Simon had already met Jesus, and in fact, Jesus had come to his house and had healed his mother-in-law. And so whenever Jesus ran into Simon, he knew that this was someone who has great power from God and, and who's probably someone that I want to hang out with. And, and so they rowed out in the boat. Jesus began to, to teach, and in the little inlets in that, in that lake, there, it creates kind of a natural amphitheater. And so he was able to speak to the people on the shore and have his voice amplified over the water. And after he finished teaching, uh, then Jesus turned to Peter and helped him to catch more fish than his nets could hold. This is how Luke tells us that story. He says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, that sounds kind of like, well, I guess I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. There were so many fish weighing down their nets that they actually started to pull the boats down as well. And at this, Simon was just overcome, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. He, he, he'd seen Jesus' power before, but I don't know if this was something like this was closer to home. I don't. Maybe it says something about Simon's relationship with his mother-in-law. I don't know. But, but there was something about this miracle, about seeing all of these fish suddenly appear whenever Jesus had guided them and told them where to throw out their nets, that, that Simon was just overcome and, and fell down at Jesus' feet. And this is what he said. He, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord. For I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. Simon saw the great power that Jesus had and felt himself to be completely unworthy to be in Jesus' presence. Whenever he saw Jesus' power that was evidently from God um, that could do things like this, suddenly make all of these fish appear in his nets whenever all night long they had fished and got nothing, he felt that he was completely unworthy. And that was Simon Peter's obstacle, unworthiness. He, he felt in that moment like he did not belong with this man who was from God, who had this great power. And, and he fell down and asked Jesus to, to get away from him. Not, not because he didn't want to be close to Jesus, but because he felt like he was not worthy of being near him. And know, Jesus did not feel that way. This is what happened Next. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Some of you are more familiar with the translation, you will be fishers of men. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. And so far from feeling them to be too unworthy to be able to be with him, he invited them to come to leave everything behind and be a part of what he was doing, to be a part of welcoming new people into God's kingdom that he had come to proclaim and to usher in. And yet if it were left to them, they might not have come. They might have missed out because they felt unworthy to be with Jesus. And often our own sense of shame and unworthiness can keep us from experiencing belonging because we think that, you know, if, if, if we tried to step in, that someone would call us out and tell us we're not worthy because we're not competent enough or we're not good enough or, or we have a history. There's something that's keeping us back. And yet Jesus saw Simon as worthy to follow him and invited him to come and to follow him to be one of his inner circle to be a fisher of people. And this is the thing about belonging. And Brene Brown has been really helpful to me in helping me understand this. This is what she says. She says, if we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. Because if not, we will sabotage ourselves, we will hold ourselves back, we will not be able to step into it and experience it on our own. And so we need to be able to experience that. We need to be able to trust that we are worthy. And not because we decided on our own, but because Jesus has said, as we talked about last week, that we are known fully and loved unconditionally. And so even whenever we feel ashamed, even whenever we feel unworthy, Jesus welcomes us in and tells us that we belong with him. Another one of the obstacles that can get in our way is that sometimes we feel like we've got a past. The things that have happened to me, there are things that I've done. There are things that that because of what has happened in my past that I am not able to belong. I can't be a part of this. And so this is what we see in what happens later after those four began following Jesus. And so this is what we see. Later, Jesus came upon um, a tax collector with his disciples. And, and this is another thing where it helps us to have historical background. And so um, one of the things that's helpful to me every week whenever I preach um, is to go back and then to to look at commentaries, to actually help me understand from scholars what was going on historically, what's going on in, in uh, literarily and in the writing styles, rhetorically. And, and that helps me understand better what is being conveyed. And so um, you may know a bit of this. If you've grown up in the church, we know that tax collectors weren't looked highly upon, Um, even today we don't feel great whenever we have to give more money over um, to the IRS, Um, but, but Tax collectors, and specifically Levi, was a toll collector, um, the one that he came upon, and um, he w- they were seen as corrupt and traitorous collaborators with Rome. And, and so, basically, what they would do is is they would pay in advance um, the toll that Rome demanded, and then they would be able to charge whatever they want. And so, they can make um, as much profit as they wanted to by extorting the people um, who had to pass by that way. And so, they were not looked upon well. Rome was an occupying force; was their enemy, and, and so um, they were On as traitors to the people, and so this was not a group that was loved by by the Jewish people. Um, It was a group that was looked down upon and seen as as turning their back on their own and taking advantage of them as well. And so, what was Levi's obstacle? Well, it was his past and his profession. And so, this is what Jesus did with him. Of course, how could a tax collector become someone who followed Jesus? I mean, that that is someone whose past is far too bad for them to actually be able to do that. Well. You can predict what happens, but this is what we read. After this, he went out to Jesus and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And and so what did Jesus have to say? He didn't say, you're a tax collector. You've turned your back on your people. There is no way that that you can follow me. You have extorted your people. You have made yourself wealthy at their expense. That's not going to fly. Jesus didn't say any of that. He only spoke two words to him follow me. He let him follow him. He let him become one of his disciples. And and was there repentance involved? Surely. I mean, surely he would not be able to continue to extort people as a follower of Jesus. But his acceptance didn't depend on that. What came first was Jesus' acceptance and his place of belonging with Jesus and his disciples. And so Levi, formerly a tax collector, left everything and followed Jesus. Now, sometimes our obstacle is a person. Sometimes it's not something that's internal. Sometimes it's not related to our history. Sometimes what gets in our way of belonging is a person. And and so just after this, after Levi decides to leave his past and to follow Jesus, he decided to celebrate. He wanted to throw a banquet. And at that banquet, he invited his tax collector friends. And so this is how Luke tells us about that. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, a banquet for Jesus. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And so you can imagine if, if one tax collector was not particularly well looked upon, was seen as a trader, that, that a whole group of them was probably not something that people would be very happy about. In, in those days, a, a banquet was a public thing. And even if you weren't invited, if there was one going on in your community, you would watch and you'd be able to see who was going and what was going on. Privacy is really something that, uh, that has, uh, is, is really a modern invention. And so they didn't experience a lot of it in Jesus' day. And so people knew what was going on and who was there. And so people. Could see that there were tax collectors there, and the, the Pharisees were not very happy about it. And so what was the tax collector's obstacle? It was other people. And specifically, it was religious people, religious leaders who did not think they were worthy of being with Jesus. And so perhaps they were well intentioned. We sometimes uh, give the Pharisees a hard time. They were Jesus' chief opponents in many of the Gospels. And yet their desire um, started at least in a good place. As an occupied people um, with a a power, the Roman Empire that was really infiltrating every part of their culture was trying to take them over. They they really held on to the Torah, on to the law that had been handed down from Moses, and tried to protect their people and to remain faithful to God. And they did that through adherence adherence to the law. And so their intentions were good, but often they took that too far. And so though perhaps well intentioned, the Pharisees were trying to keep out people whom God had welcomed, people that God had already welcomed in. And if you're a religious leader, let me tell you, as a religious leader myself, I never want to keep someone out god has invited in that's the last thing that i want to do and yet that is what happened and maybe you've experienced it in your own life often religious people often with good intentions will keep people out because of their adherence to the rules and trying to say that people have the wrong backgrounds that they're not worthy all of those things that we've already experienced so they end up being the obstacles that are keeping people from belonging in the community that jesus has created and yet Jesus doesn't allow that, and he invites us to not to stand against him, but to stand with him as the people who welcome other people in. The tax collectors faced at least one other obstacle, and that was their status. They were looked at as people who were sinners because of their collaboration with Rome, because of their extortion of their own people for their own wealth. Um, and so we see that, very, that question that the Pharisees used to keep them out. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus has an answer for that. He said those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance, but sinners to to change their lives and to follow him to live the life of the kingdom, because people who have it all together do not need a savior. They don't need to be saved. It's the people who don't have it together, the people who are far from God, and and often that's the people who do things that religious people don't look highly upon. And yet those are the very people that Jesus came for. They're the very people that Jesus called to come and to be those who are closest to him, to be his partners in ministry. New Testament scholar Alan Culpepper says this about the people that Jesus called. He says, Jesus did not move through Galilean society handpicking the most religious, most virtuous, or most popular to follow him. He built his movement from the cast offs of society. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I, I'm looking for friends, whenever I'm looking for people that I want to network with or partner with, whenever I'm looking to hire someone, I don't look at the cast-offs. I want to look for the best and the brightest, the people who, who have a lot in common with me, um, who can maybe help me take another step in my life or in my personal life or in my professional life, now, who are going to bring something to me and, and who I feel comfortable with. And yet those are not the people that Jesus called to himself. He called people who are looked at, as cast-offs, as some of the least in society. And so whenever we talk about who belongs in Jesus' kingdom, one of the things that we see is that nothing, not our sense of unworthiness, not our past, not our status, not even other people, religious people, nothing can keep us out of Jesus' kingdom. Because he says, each and every one of you belong. I love you. I know you. You are mine. You belong in my community. In my kingdom. And because we are all invited, we can all experience that life in Jesus' community. And so as our children come to VBS, this is what we want them to know. Whenever they leave on night two, what we want them to walk away with is that they can have confidence because they belong, because they know they have a place where they have accepted, and that place is the community of Jesus, the church. And as adults, as you go forth from, from grown-up Bible school week two, here's what we want you to know, that everyone is welcome as they are. Jesus welcomes each and every one, and we welcome each and every one as well, that we welcome all, because we're a community that welcomes all that loves authentically and that lets our light shine. We welcome every single person because we know that Jesus has welcomed every single person. We love each person who walks into our doors and we do so authentically because we can only love as we are, not as we aren't. And so we we are honest about who we are. We try to live fully into, into the people that God created us to be. And we welcome and love as the people we are. And then we let our light shine because the light of Christ has illuminated our life. And we want to share what we've been given. And in this community, in this kingdom, there's a sign of our belonging. And that sign is baptism. And one of the things that is, is such an exciting blessing in my life is that is that today my daughter Cece is going to be baptized. And so proud dad moment. You know, I couldn't let this go by without showing you pictures. This is Cece, um, just um, so sweet, um, asleep. And uh, this is her with her older sister, Elsie. And and she is such a precious and beautiful blessing. And and she cannot do anything to earn her place in God's kingdom. All she can do is sit there and look really cute and cry sometimes. She cannot earn it. Um, It's not about her status. It's not about who she knows. It's all about who Jesus says she is and that Jesus invites her and claims her as her own. And you know what? Sometimes she's not a lot of fun to be around. And so just last night, I was holding her whenever I got home from work, and almost immediately she spit up on my shirt. And you can tell I was very happy about that. She was actually pretty happy about it. She probably felt better after letting that go. But you know what? Even though she spits up on people, she is still welcome because it doesn't depend on her. It's all about who Jesus is and he welcomes every single person. Each and every person belongs in Jesus' community. And so today we're going to celebrate because Jesus is claiming her as his own. Um, Baptism is God's act through the church of claiming and welcoming each and every person into the church. And so I'm thanking God that, that she gets to experience that and that she is part of a community where she knows that she has belonged, where she belongs, where she will be accepted for her entire life. And whenever she is struggling, uh, whenever she's going through difficult times, that there are going to be people who were there who promised that they would care for her, they would encourage her, they would pray for her, and whenever she was struggling, they would show up and be by her side in the kingdom of God, in Jesus' community, where each and every one of us belongs. And so I want to encourage you to live that out, to believe that, and to live as if that is at the core of who you are. And here are a few action steps that I want to challenge you to take this week. First, because you know that you belong, I want you to take a risk to enter into a relationship because you know that you are already accepted and that Jesus welcomes you in and that you belong in his kingdom. And so we need to experience that, not just spiritually, but actually physically with other people. And so um, that can often be risky because anytime we put ourselves out there to be in a relationship with someone, whatever that relationship, uh, a friend, a friend, Um, being involved in a group of people, whatever that is, that is risky because they always have the option not to accept us. But because we know that we are accepted as we are, because we know that we can belong, we can take that risk and enter into that. And as we're in relationships, we can help other people experience that as well. And that may go great. That may not go the way that you wanted to. And so sometimes you will feel excluded. That happened to Jesus. It happens to us today. And when you do feel excluded, I, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for saying, I belong in your kingdom. Because we know our belonging doesn't depend on anyone else. It doesn't depend on our status, how much we have, how much we make, on our job title, any of that. It depends only on him, and so instead of an opportunity for feeling excluded, we can turn it into an opportunity for gratitude because we know that he has accepted us and that we belong with him, and whenever we do turn those difficult moments into opportunities for gratitude, often God can transform the way that we experience that, and so say a prayer of thanks anytime that you're feeling excluded and like you don't belong. And then because God has opened the door for all of us, because Jesus invites everyone, I want you to open a door for someone on the outside so that they can belong as well. Because we know that there are many people who are made to feel like they don't belong. Whatever that place is, whether that's at school, whether that's at your workplace, whether that's in your family, there are all kinds of reasons that people are putting up walls that are excluding themselves from other people because of politics, because of status, because of race, because of all kinds of things, and that's not what we're about as people of God, and so I want to challenge you this week to look for those places, to look where people are being excluded, to look where they're being told they don't belong, whether implicitly or explicitly, and to open the door to let them know that they do belong, because you're a follower of Jesus, and you're part of a community where each and every person is welcome. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you've created this new community called the kingdom of God and that we get to experience it through your church. And I pray that you would help us to always know that we belong here and that we would live, that we would behave in such a way that each person that we encounter would feel that same way, would know that this is a place, this is a community where they can belong. And we thank you that Jesus welcomes all of us, that he taught us how to live,